Welcome to the uh, Make Your Small Business Great podcast. My name's Phil Connell. I am a business-to-business marketing consultant based in Rochdale in the Northwest. Today, I'm joined by a guest. I'm joined by Rob Nugent. We're going to talk a little bit more about the why of working for yourself from home. I'll ask Rob to introduce himself in a moment. Rob and I met through local networking groups, struck up a, a, a friendship almost straight away, And what amazes me about Rob is that he seems to do everything that he enjoys and also that helps him make a living, as well as being a very involved dad to a young family. We're going to talk about some of the pros and cons of running your own business from home and um, how the family dynamic and the conflicts of working, family life and relaxing all from the same place work. So that's quite enough from me. You've heard a minute from me talking. Rob, introduce yourself and tell us what you do for a living. Hi Phil, thanks very much for the invite. It's great to be able to use my kitchen that you photographed for the people who fitted the kitchen actually all that time ago. Mm. I've transitioned into working permanently from home, partly accelerated by COVID, but a shift that started a few years ago in my head. I've worked for 15 years in a family business in the car in the motor industry in car leasing, and I've had a like a home-based business, network marketing type business since 2009 since the last recession i decided that i needed to not have all my eggs in one basket especially in the motor trade which is very cyclical and not only was it hit by covid there's other there's cars have basically not been produced which means that even if we sell vehicles we're not getting paid until they're delivered possibly 12 months down the line right for a lot of the stuff that we do so the impact on that as a small business is apparent now but it was apparent to me in 2009 when i got involved uh with uh, partnering with a, a utility business as a side hustle I think it's called now but back yeah. then it was just an opportunity to get involved in something that was a little bit different and and that's really helped me make decisions where I've worked out what I'm good at I've managed to prioritize my health because I've gone from being pretty unhealthy to pretty healthy in a from the age of 35 so I've always been played sport but also always drank and smoked whilst playing sport okay. and then obviously when the doctors are reviewing for your cholesterol tests and all that kind of stuff as you get hit your 30s you get a couple of knocks on the door to say you need to come back in and chat to us so I decided to prioritize some other stuff as well as now have a family of three boys under eight my wife's got a really busy job in the NHS and so we've we've just managed to adjust things where in the in the small family business in the motor trade there's there's the, it's hard having a young family just meant that I wasn't in a position to say to my dad who was looking to retire that I could remortgage my house and borrow some extra money to pay him to retire and me put in 12 hour days to make that work okay. it's not something that I wanted to do at that point in my life so having having built up my side business to a point that that paid me a, an income that sort of covered my mortgage and stuff like that I was able to have a conversation with my dad to say if I just do the bits that I like, which are the going going out, talking to customers, talking to uh, new contacts, the networking, the um, the marketing, the email stuff, and you paid me less and I could focus on my, my utilities business. Which, which started as a side hustle. Which was a side hustle, which involves a lot of teamwork, a lot of personal development, a lot of coaching of new team members, as well as finding the customer. That put me in a position where both companies then, the small business and the big company in London, did, did all the back office stuff. And I just did the bits I was good at. Okay. Does that kind of make sense? It makes a lot of sense from from an enjoying your work point of view. You've, mm. you've clearly identified what you're good at and you've, you've found a business as your side hustle mm. that can do all the back office for you while you do what you like, which is talking to people. Mm. 
and somehow you've also managed to create that situation in your family business. I imagine that was a bit more difficult. That was tough. I pretty much, you, you could say I ended up talking to a, a business coach. I think it was more like therapy. Yeah. Because I was in this horrendous situation where in the four walls of your office, it's not talked about too much, but you think that the outside world expects you to take on this business that you've built up. Your dad's still working and there's questions, why is he still working when there's this should be able to son to take it on who doesn't want to do it? And so I actually cashed in an ISA and went to speak to a, a guy called Simon Gilbert. If you Google him, he's written loads of books on personal development, on sales, on um, mindset. Okay. And every time I came up with an objection as to why I shouldn't have this conversation with the people in my business, he'd ask me, was, it, was what I'm thinking actually ever going to happen? So, so he so, challenged you challenged to be me. realistic. Are your dreams, yeah. so, are dreams, are your aspirations achievable? So two things there. We need to come straight back to that. We also need to, just for the listeners, we'll put Simon Gilbert uh, a link into the into the sleeve notes. Yeah. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. That I suppose a therapist, um, mentor, part of why they're there is to not just challenge you to do better but challenge you to be realistic this may may help people looking to have these these awkward conversations with a boss or a family member or whoever it might be which was okay so you, you potentially you either want to leave this business or completely change your role you're happy to take a pay cut but contribute less what's the worst thing that could happen well they either say no or they say yes and either way that business should be able to survive with or without you yeah. Not, you know, my my. I, oh, by overthinking that process, I was thinking that everybody would lose lose their homes, their livelihoods. This business would be no longer. My dad would have no money. The people who work for us would end up with no jobs. And actually, it's just me trying to change my role. Yeah, and even if the absolute worst happened to that business, people would because they always do survive. Yeah. But we, the the word I hear a lot and that I use a lot when I'm talking to other people is catastrophize. We think what's the worst that could possibly yeah. happen and therefore I won't do it in case the worst happens and I feel really bad. So Simon would say to me, in your direct experience, has that happened? And the answer was always no. And so that really did give me the confidence. This was three, I drove up to Ripon for three, three months on a Thursday. So I'd have a set full day next, and then the next month on a Thursday, all pre-lockdown. In fact, the last session was just when it was like awkward lockdown, that kind of are we meeting outside type of thing. Okay. Is this our one hour of exercise? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was sort of February, March 2020. And we just found out we're having our third child. So I walk into this counsellor and I'm like, before we start, I've not told anybody yet, but I'm having another baby, which kind of puts my financial stress up another notch. Yep of whether I do this or not. And I left knowing that I had to have this conversation, that I had to change my role in the business because I wasn't fundamentally happy. And at a pivotal stage in your life where your family's growing, Yeah, this was your third mm. child. So this was our third little boy, yeah. You're at a stage where you've already got a growing family. Yeah. And you're... Yeah, I turned 40 in April. You turned 40 yeah. in April. Yeah. Okay, so you're, so you're in your... Late 30s at the time. Late 30s at the time. And you're thinking seriously about your yours and your family's future yeah. and how you're going to survive within and without the family business. It's a it's a very important time to be thinking about those things, isn't it? It's the best kind of midlife crisis. You think oh, about it's fantastic. It, was, it, it, it <laughs> was up there. It was up there as a really boring one because, you know, it's not as though we've like bought a Harley and, and, you know, everything actually from the outside looking in looks okay. My wife works in HS in a stable job. I'm working in the family business, so from the outside looking in, that's that's fine. 
We've got a lovely family, we've got a nice home, we've got two new cars on the drive. But when you take a back step, are you happy? And I knew that I wasn't. I also knew that in a family business, and I is I wanted my family to be my family again, not family and work. And I, that was important to me. I didn't want to trundle through from my parents into the 70s and me into my 40s and still be having to have an edited version of Sunday dinner so that you wouldn't mention Monday morning or you didn't mention that customer from last week yes. or what are we going to do with this business or can I speak to you about my life insurance or my pension or yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I just I'm... wanted to get rid of all that stuff. And with those uncertainties about what you wanted to do in the business, that makes that Sunday dinner situation even more awkward, doesn't yeah. it? Because there so, are things unsaid yeah. from your point of view. Whilst I've got you, yeah. whilst I've got you over your apple pie and custard, because I never get a chance in the week, yeah. can I speak I'm to thinking you of taking a step back. about either you retiring or me leaving and all that, all that, all that stuff. And eventually it just became a, a grown-up conversation that led to the company making massive tweaks that outsource a lot of the donkey work by partnering with another big leasing company. So we didn't okay. sell the business, but we outsourced all the admin to become part of a bigger business. Okay. And that just took away a lot of the headaches that go with running a small, small company. IT infrastructure, client terms, all that kind of stuff went partly because of the conversations I was having with it. This what needs to operate yeah. in the world that we live in. So how can we do, do what, it better. what we do well yeah. in a better framework that's not going to mean that you, Dad, have to work until you drop yeah. dead and I, son, don't get to be happy yeah. for the rest of my yeah. career. Yeah, and so that, that, was a, that actually ended up being pretty successful. So I now have a, a part-time role with those guys, um, Always. So we'll we'll mention those by name. That's, yeah. That that business is called Anthony K Vehicle Leasing. Yeah, Anthony K right? Vehicle Leasing. Yeah, based in yeah. Rochdale. Yeah, successful business. Anybody, um, I know most of our listeners won't come anywhere near Rochdale, but anybody who is based in Rochdale, if they've been to any networking agreement, uh, Rob's dad Tony will have been there. Yes, any chamber of commerce, any breakfast meetings, charity dues. Um, we've supported the local business community pretty well, and yeah. you know that's where most of our businesses come so from. It's a very well established business. Twenty five years old. Most people won't be aware that you've re-engineered that business because from a customer touchpoint point of view, things are the same. If you want a vehicle, you can lease a vehicle through. Yeah, everything. In fact, we're better. We've got better pricing. There's better support for the customers. There's more services available for the larger customer. And most importantly, there's for, from a, a business perspective for us, we're happier doing, doing it the way that we do it, which can only be better for everybody. So, yeah. so from our audience's point of view, I guess the, the lesson there that I'm taking is that if you're worrying about that difficult conversation, so you've started your side hustle or you're thinking of starting your side hustle mm-hmm. as, a, as a route into self-employment, number one, it doesn't have to be the one and only. And number two, if that means I'm in a serious conversation with the people where you're working now, don't don't overthink it. It's such a cliche. But what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they'll say, no, that doesn't work for us. And you have to come up with a different solution. And the best that can happen is they'll say, yeah, that's fine. And we're living in an age of people accepting a lot more flexibility at work than they were doing even two years ago. Yeah. After what we've been through for the last two summers. Mm. So... So that's my takeaway from it. And, and given that, you've told us about the, the sort of number one business. Tell us a little bit about the side hustle and how that's grown and how that's allowed you to make that transition to working from home. Yeah, so um, through networking, I bumped into a few guys that were partnered with Utility Warehouse. They're a, the Telecom Plus PLC on the Stock Exchange. And I was intrigued as to what that business was all about. Why would the energy people be... 
at a networking meeting, it seemed, mm. didn't seem to make sense to me. But as, as, as the recession bit, you start, your, your, your eyes and ears start to open to what people are actually saying to you. And I ended up bumping into a guy who was a detective sergeant in the police. He played hockey for England. He had a young family, but still building this, this business with this company with a big office block in London, but he was working from home. And um, like most home-based business opportunities, you've got to be careful what you're looking at because there's loads of not great ones out there. But there are a few good ones that sell products or services through word of mouth, whether that's through friends and family or or the local networking or however you want to do that. And I, and I just got jumped in with with both feet. And because we the, the services are mobile phones and broadband and energy, which is topical now, uh, just dipping the toe in the water with insurance services. It made sense to me at the time that as a small business with a client base and me personally with a wide contact base, why would not some of those people want to save some money on their boring bills? And we never set off like a rocket. It's always been part-time, but we've built that business up slowly but surely in the in the nooks and crannies before kids had to go and see people on my way home from work or I'm a, literally a phone call on my dinner break or something like that. There's an opportunity with the business to build a team. So like any like any business, you, you expand it through more people. So I guess the business model there is, in its simplest way, it's a classic network marketing, which yeah. is either you can become an agent and, and sign up your members of your network, friends and family, mm-hmm. to Utilities Warehouse. Yeah. Or you can start to build a team around you if you want to if you want to go that that level deep yeah and just let and, and leverage that time yeah so by doing both you know we get paid for finding customers and then there's an income stream opens up from the revenue of our customer base for the whole team okay so okay. obviously there's no there's no point you can't get paid for re- what's called recruitment because that's just not right no but we have recruitment a, doesn't generate money we customers spend money and that's so, the difference between Network marketing and pyramid selling. Correct. You don't get paid for recruitment. You get paid for people choosing to take your products. Yeah. So I spend most of my time on that business helping and supporting. We've got a, a large team now that's up and down the UK. And it's just helping those guys with their their goals, their aspirations, and me leading by example to say, this is what I've done. You're not saying you have to do what I've done, but you can do what you want to do. Yeah. And so... This afternoon, I've got a, a call with a, uh, a girl who's been with us a little while. She wants to she wants to step things up a little bit because there's lots of things going on with her. She's moved she's moved to a new part of town. She needs to build a new network. She wants to increase her income with that business to rely less on her day job as a PA. So we'll have a conversation, and and that's the best part of that business is that I won't financially benefit from that hour I spend with her this afternoon. Yeah. But over the longer term, her business will grow, which means that mine will yeah. grow as well. And, and she's probably in a situation where working as a PA mm-hmm. in this post-COVID situation that we're talking about. I mean, it's it's November 2021 as we're talking yeah. now. Yeah. Um, the opportunities are there because of the current UK energy price crisis. Mm-hmm. But working as a PA, she has the type of job that is going to put her in touch with a reasonable group of people. Mm-hmm. So if there's if there's ever a a description of someone that there's a good synergy with this kind of opportunity. It sounds like a good one to me. Yeah. I'm sure there are lots more. B- well, bubbly, helpful people. Like, we can help. Like, you know, what there's a, there's a cost of living crisis coming. Yeah. You know, we only watched a budget last week that dressing up cheaper Prosecco and craft ales didn't disguise the fact that generally things are going to start costing more, mm-hmm. how, whatever it looks like, and whatever your political opinion is. On the, on, on, the, on the face of the services that my company offers, that is a mess. The industry is in turmoil. 
our business is stable. Now, I, I wasn't super bright back there to be able to fast forward 12 years into the future that one day, like, the whole industry would collapse yeah. and we'd be able to sort of mop it all up. But the directors of, of Telecom Plus have said for years that the cheap, sustainable model of new businesses coming in and signing up lots of customers wasn't sustainable and that w- there would start to be some failures from some of these businesses. Yeah. The fact that it's all happened inside four weeks is just a bit crazy. It's been forced by what's happened in the energy markets, yes. hasn't it? And, yeah. I, and we, we were talking, um, for the benefit of the audience, we were talking about this while Rob made me a sandwich and a cup of tea, uh, which, which we had before we started recording. And over that, we were discussing the balance sheets of some of these companies that mm. are going bust. And they are growing through having attracted lots of venture capital funding and those kind of things. And, and they've managed to sign up in some instances a million and a half customers is, is one of the companies that looks like it's going to go bust. Mm. And they've done that by attracting a lot of money, spending a lot of money on marketing, achieving some great prices because they're a new entrant and they're not, they haven't been locked into legacy energy price deals. But I work with energy companies uh, as, as part of my consultancy business. And the price crisis is very real and that's what's forcing these businesses to the wall and, and these businesses do not have healthy balance sheets what that means for companies like utilities warehouse is that there's an opportunity for a company that's grown with a more sustainable model to take advantage yeah it's a it's, a, it's an interesting time and and and, and you know for the, for the services that we offer you know, typically a home business is you might be looking at, at, at luxuries and, and, and niceties that you can be really shout from the rooftops about some fantastic creams or a health product or, or something that, that, that's got a real intrinsic value to the, to the end customer. Whereas there is a social awkwardness to talking to your friends about their bills. You know, yeah. you, you're almost creating a, a need for something when they were happy where they were. Whereas now... We know that most people are either with a company that has failed and they've been obviously passed on to, a, to someone to administer their account and with, without them you know, having knowing or what the prices will be and that kind of stuff. Or they've had a price hike because the, the off-gen price cap rose anyway. Or thirdly, our company offers to save them money no matter what deal they're on currently anyway. So we know that by engaging with people, we can, we can help them, especially as everything else is going up. They may as well look up at what we do. Yeah which opens up the opportunity for people who are not salespeople. Or slick, uh, slick with scripts, or particularly outgoing, to just be able to offer help to their network. They benefit from you know, the company paying them for, to talking to people and signing the customers up. And they're genuinely helping their friends and family save some money. You know, there's nothing awkward now. It's a topic of conversation yeah, up yeah. and down the country, isn't it? It's on the front pages of the newspapers. Yeah. So you don't need to you don't need to sell something in many respects. Sell itself. I mean, I mean, it's the it's it's one of the worst things that you can say about sales. Nothing sells itself, mm. but it's much easier when there is pressure and people are feeling that pressure. They know that their bills have either already gone up or are going to be going up soon. Yeah. So it's time to to look at these things a bit more seriously. So. I don't want to make this a, a utilities warehouse exposition, yeah. but so tell us a little bit more about what that shift in your own lifestyle and your working life has, has meant for you. You talked a little bit earlier about your decisions that you made about your health as well. Mm. So you've done a lot of things since your mid-30s to, 
to change. So we've mm. talked about the way that you've changed your, your family business. Mm-hmm. I nearly said your dad's business, but changed your family business mm. to suit and started your own business from home, which you've got control of. Tell us a little bit about what that has given you the freedom to do for yourself. You mentioned your young family mm. and the benefits of working from home for a young family are apparent to, to anyone who's got a young family. Mm. But what about those other decisions that you've been able to make? I know that you've turned your health journey into another potential career now as well. Yeah, so when I was, I was trying to think, when I, was, I, was, I was 35 or 36 and I got in, I'd, I'd played lacrosse all my life, uh, played at a decent level as a kid and was able to maintain playing at a half decent level whilst still going out on Fridays and Saturdays and all that kind of stuff, but never then excelled, never went up to the next level, became very much a social player. Okay. And lacrosse is a very difficult game to play. It's a very physical game. It yeah. demands a level of fitness. I've never played lacrosse. Yeah. I've played hockey a long time ago and it nearly killed me. Right, okay. So I can see the parallels. You know, compared to football or many other team sports, it's a very physically demanding sport to play. Yeah, and I got to my mid-30s, we've got, by this time we've got two little boys, Freddie and Max, Max had just been born, and my cholesterol was still too high, I was on, I'd been given medication for gout, okay. so I'd been in A&E with gout, right, and, and, classic and, and Victorian you do not want that, middle class you, man you, you, you don't want that, it's, it's horrendous, and, and still going to, you know, sign up for all the local gyms, do 12 months at one, 12 months at the other, go once or twice a month, maybe have the odd salad or something, so that typical cyclical I'm, yeah. I'm going to change. I'm going to stop the, reduce the booze. I'm going to reduce the smoking. Well, there was, there was a there was a there was a will. Yeah, you had a will, but you hadn't found the way to. Do yeah, it. because still, then you know you, you're busy, and what what would end up happening is you end up not either not doing it at all or doing it badly or falling out with it altogether. So to get fit for lacrosse, I found there was a, lo- a, a local gym that was doing sort of CrossFit style training. Now again, this goes back to my business networking, and we, me and you, had done this, Phil. I'd connected on Facebook with some people who were business contacts, which is yes. a lot of people see that as a bit of a weird thing to do. However, if you've got something in common with people or you get on with them, I don't see what the, what the point of that is. I haven't got a Facebook account that's purely for business. But if we get on, yeah. as in like we could be mates or we are friends, I'm connecting with you. And yeah. you can ding me off if you want. It's fine. So anyway, a couple of these guys were going to these CrossFit gyms. They were older than me. They had kids older than me. They were busier than me. And they, were, they seemed to be having a good time. So I start Googling YouTube videos and, and find a place in Rochdale that, that does that sort of training. Went two or three times and I was hooked. Uh, that gym, unfortunately, didn't, didn't last. The, 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 the guys went, um, went and did something else. So I ended up traveling over to Oldham for the next three or four years. Most mornings before work, I'll... I'll Middle child, now middle child, Max, he was, he was up every morning anyway. So rather than me get up at six miserable, I'd be in the gym for six happy. Yeah. I just got up half an hour early and went. I'd still be back for half seven. So was this a, a gym, you know, I, I, I can't talk as a fitness enthusiast because I, I'm not. I'm a guy who rides a bike now and again, and I know I feel better for it when I do. Yeah. But when you started doing the 6am gym sessions, was that what we call type 2 fun? The type where it's miserable, but you always feel better after you've done it? Or did it be, how long did it take before it, it became type 1 fun where you actually look forward to going? That type of thing's pretty much instant, I think. And because there's a class environment and coach-led, but you, you, there's, there's up to 14 or 15 people in, in that room, that so, the social side of that hour replaced the pint after work in terms of the camaraderie, the you. what's going on. Oh, you've got a young family as well, or you're a... So it you're feels a like a team environment so you, straight away. I've always so, felt yeah. that gyms have felt like a solitary 
So that's your normal Something gym. You do on your own with other people around. Yeah, yeah. The style of gyms that we go to, the CrossFit style gyms or strength and conditioning clubs or a weightlifting club, they tend to have a community part of them that's tight. Okay. And there's something called the third home, isn't there? So you, you've and, and and it's on here to talk about, isn't it? Is prior to now, you went to the office or work. Yeah. You went home, and then most people needed a third home, which would be the pub or um, whatever they do as a hobby, or it could be their little secret hideaway room that the kids aren't allowed in, or whatever it is. Yeah. There's a there's a yeah. place to go and unwind and be the third home, and that became the third home for me. And you know, some days I'd I'd, I'd structure my diary. I'd go and do a lunchtime class. And, okay. then I, and then I re- that's, that's part of the reason I realised that I wasn't able to take this to go and buy a business because I couldn't then recruit a load of staff and yeah. then decide I'm going to the gym at lunchtime because, because but that was important to me. Yeah. It was important to me to do yeah. that exercise. So you put your happiness yeah. in front of the, the more traditional expectations of other people that you're going to grow a business. Yeah. Because people, this is the managing director's son. Mm. If he starts a business, there's going to be an expectation that he's going to be there with his coat on the back of the chair, yeah. ready to mentor everyone that comes in the business, but to your own personal Yeah, and if, you, and if you're joining me, I'd be like, right, well, three to four times a week, I expect you to be late for work because you need to have been to the, you need to have done some exercise. Yeah. I'm going to put a shower in in case you come on your bike. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that. Yeah. and I guess that's how the larger businesses have, have evolved, isn't it? In a well, small I've, business. Too. I've had conversations with bosses in smaller businesses where we've said, can we get some showers in? And it's, yeah. Oh, no. and, it, and it's never happened. You know, I remember a business where a bike rack did appear on the wall, but it was never used because we didn't have shower facilities in the office. And, and so there were, there were conversations from some of the employees about trying to make mm. it a more inclusive place for people who looked after themselves, mm. as well as putting the, the work in. But in most businesses, that doesn't necessarily happen. A lot of the bigger businesses now, as you say, getting, are getting wise to that and are making sure that people's personal needs are catered for as well as the yeah, business I mean, who, needs because yeah. the things go hand in hand, don't they? Also, who would you rather have working for you? If you're responsible for people, would you rather be helping them be better at everything or would you rather them be in your office more and then spend all weekend smashed on, on beer and wine then come in on Monday and work more and then you start doing blood testing for, for my business and your business and my people are healthier and yeah. your people aren't healthier? Well, I win. Yeah, your sickness records are going to be better. Your longevity is going to be better. Yeah. Your loyalty is almost certainly going to be better, even though that's a psychological yeah. side effect of, of good health. Yeah. And also support from your employer. And if I've got gout and high cholesterol, and I think at some point my blood sugars were just under pre-diabetic, so weren't quite yet a concern when I was in my early 30s. Well, that's not great for when you're in your early 50s. Never mind your early 80s or your early 90s, where you would think our generation could get to. So that was a decision of, I need to nip this in the bud and make it permanent. Yeah, okay. And you can't just do that with a quick 12-week diet or a, a little faddy thing or, you know, make, I remember in the past did the Great North Run and then had a year off. Because you'd done it. Done it. Box ticked. Back on the Marlborough Lights and the beer for a year and then talk about the Great North Run in the pub. Yeah. And that the shift for me had to be a permanent shift because that's just the way that I am. I, I, I do revert back to type. So your personal makeup is that you need to have good habits on a permanent basis or yeah. you'll you'll pick a habit yeah it's either got to be a good one or a bad one yeah see i'm a lot more relaxed in a way mm. in that I, I don't look after my health in the way that you do i wish that i did but i've had to form some good habits i'm a type one diabetic so mm. the phrase that i live by which i think applies here is that it's it's the habits that kill you or that make you it's not the treats yeah so treat days are okay yeah but good habits are more important and and you've recognized in yourself that you'll either have good habits or bad habits Mm. so you've chosen to live well 
Most of the time. Still most have treats, still have fun. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day about six packs or something like that. And I was like, I'm 40 years old. I don't want to go through the pain of having a six pack. Mm. If my kids are having chicken stew, I'm having chicken stew with them. I'm not going to, you know, cook a separate chicken breast with potatoes and broccoli just for me. Yeah. There's, there's, cer- jacket yeah, there's certain things. With, you know, it, we've had a really long week. I've been watching kids football in the driving rain. We might go on and get a flipping curry delivered. But it's yeah. once every now and again, not once, every, not once or twice a week. Yeah, and and having that balance, we've got is understanding that just shifting it, you have to shift it further than you think sometimes to to get where you need in to be. In order to make yeah. it ingrained, I've heard this same conversation, but the metaphor worked. I've heard this metaphor used of the of the seesaw, and I've mm-hmm. heard it in terms of discrimination. I think it applies is whether it's habits or whether it's discrimination at work. You've got to actually push the seesaw past the point of balance mm-hmm. in order that it can come back to the point of balance, mm-hmm. and that goes for positive discrimination in the workplace. And it also goes for personal health. Yeah. You've got to push yourself past the point of things being okay in order that when the seesaw settles, it settles back in the middle and not back to where it used to be. I like that metaphor because it applies to so many things. But I think in your case, what you've done with CrossFit is you've turned your health around from a smoking drinker Mm. who did the North Run and then ate out on it for 12 months. You've now turned into a regular gym attendee and... You've gone a step further now as well, haven't you? Because of the freedoms that your new work lifestyle has allowed you. Yeah, and again, I guess opportunities come when you're not looking for them, don't they? So I'd thought long and hard about... I, I genuinely believe that the CrossFit methodology is good for ev- for anybody. Okay. okay. It's been good for me, and there's no reason why other dads who are 40 years old, who've got busy lives, can't commit to an exercise regimen that's constantly varied. It's loads of fun, and you can go from never done anything to competing at the top level and everything in between. April 2021, I'm 40 years old, and there's nothing else to do. Remember, we're still in some kind of partial lockdown. Yeah. So whether it would have been a ski trip or something big for my 40th wasn't going to happen. So my wife paid for me to do the CrossFit Level 1 coaching course. Okay which is a full weekend course and it basically opens the door to be able to to facilitate coaching. That's a great gift. Yeah. I mean, the gift of doing something or achieving something is the perfect gift for, you know, what do you buy the man who's got everything? You, you give him something that's going to open up doors to a new experience. Yeah. So as I'm taking this course, the we call them boxes, but the gym that I, I go to had a shift in personnel. So a couple of people left. The, the place had been closed the best part of a year. So I sort of said tongue in cheek to the owner, Sam, did you know I'm doing the course this weekend? And he was like, all right, that's really interesting. Anyway, I then got my certificate through the post. I'd passed. I said, look, if there's any opportunities to just start, you know, just to shadow or to learn how it works, will yeah. you just give me a shout? And a couple of days later, I went out for lunch. And I, st- and I was 40 years old and started an internship. So I became the apprentice. <laughs> And um, I'm just coming to the end of that process now where, you know, I'm, I'm starting to facilitate the odd class on my own. I, I just said to you before we recorded this, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Okay. The, it's like doing a degree, another degree every day because every, it's so different. Every, every day is so different with so many different people that you're responsible for, so many things you need to know or should know. I'm having an absolute ball and, and I've picked up some, the, the hours there fit around the family as well. Okay. So if I fast forward uh, so it rewind into my old life selling cars. I'd probably be out two or three evenings a week at a networking event, meeting a customer or doing something. Well, I'm now two evenings a week coaching two to three CrossFit classes. I would probably be at one of those classes anyway as a member. Yeah. So I'd be out anyway. And I've got a saying in our house that the kids won't miss me not being here two nights a week out of seven. They're not going to resent that. They'd resent me being away all the time with whatever other job I could have fell into at some point in the last 20 years. Yeah. 
So that works really well. And a couple of mornings where I do the early early shift, so we're up at five and down there for six, and that goes through to sort of lunchtime. Well, they're just the days that I know are my CrossFit days. Yeah. I then come home, pick up the baby, and go and do a school run. So it's like CrossFit and Dad days are Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah. And the rest of it just all sort of fits into what fits into the, the I call it the nooks and crannies, but gives me all day Monday, all day Wednesday, and all day Thursday for my car business, the utility warehouse business. And although that CrossFit coaching is physically hard mm-hmm. and mentally hard as well because you've got to put the prep in, people have got an expectation that you're going to deliver a good class and that they're going to be pushed and yep. coached and mentored, you're also getting rewards from that because you're doing the classes as well, aren't you? You're, yeah. you're involved in their fitness journey. By you know, there's somebody own. came up to us the other day and said, a newer member said something like, I love coming here. It's, it, I, want, I now want to get up in the morning. Yeah. I've got, I, I sit around and, and hear other people. There's a, a plumber and a truck driver and, and they stay afterwards for a cup of tea and, and they, they go into their overnight oats and, and, you, and you're looking at these guys and you're thinking 10 years ago they'd have been in, they'd have been where I was sat in the pub mm. at another time of day but the conversations they're having they're having deep meaningful conversations about their health and their fitness and their blood markers and how they feel about where they're going in life compared to where they were Yeah, and it's just been a tiny little part of that is, yeah. is, is, is huge and yeah of course there's the fancy stuff the the weightlifting and the and the skipping and the pull-ups and stuff that all you're going to youtube and, and have a look and that yeah, looks great what, at that top level you look up crossfit on instagram that's yeah. what you see somebody yeah. doing pull-ups like a thing looking like around. looking like an adonis yeah but actually you go down to your local box and it's just a load of normal people making a bit of progress every day and to hear those conversations to be part of those conversations having a, a little bit of an impact on there is massive yeah to be part of the various building blocks that those guys have adopted that's helping them improve yeah. their lives yeah to be involved in that is a deal isn't it yeah it's huge yeah yeah, yeah. so in, in you've told us a lot about sort of what you're doing mm. i'm gonna fire a few questions at you now we'll do so these are these are the ones that you know if we're really successful we turn into top five articles for linkedin posts and things like that right, but, okay you know, all right but it is just you and me having a chat and a bit of a challenging one really because it's a negative question what's the what's the worst bit about being based from home you talk about your third home being the crossfit mm. gym now mm-hmm. but your second home being the office and here that's kind of gone and yeah. that's also here so what's the worst part about working from home yeah I, i'll i'll tell you mine straight away the worst thing for me about working from home is that if you're having a bad day mm. there's nobody there to lift you from it whereas in an office environment somebody will spot you're having a bad day and give you a tap on the shoulder or mm. make you a cup of tea or whatever it takes just to just to be accountable to yourself and think uh, do I really need to be having a bad day and mm. lift yourself out of it what and for me that's the biggest challenge what's the biggest challenge for you about being based from home the hardest thing is when hours just disappear yeah like you know, you've you've and you've not done anything, and you know you've not done anything. Yeah. And you 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 know you're supposed to be backing yourself to make this difference for your family. And you sometimes you think, actually, I need a boss. Okay. That's Somebody the hard, to tell that's me the what hard to do. thing. And I think is that know, because it feels like you've not done anything, or because you've really not? Sometimes done anything? there's you know like we mentioned social media. Then I think I put it. In, I've got a little journal here. Like the, in my journal this week is sort out phone use, sort out screen time. Okay. You know, you, you you might go onto LinkedIn to post an article when actually you then spend half an hour doing other stuff. You might be looking at, I might look on Instagram for some information on gym stuff. The next thing you know, I've been scrolling through nonsense. Now, in a job environment, you won't be able to do that. Because potentially somebody's looking over your shoulder. Go, what are you doing? Get out. You know, you know, you'd be fired, wouldn't you? You did that too much. Yeah. So is the amount of freedom that you do have, I think, is the biggest Achilles heel. Luckily, because I've got a team with the utility warehouse business, I'm, in t- I'm talking to people all the time. I've got, a, I've got a, 
you know, people that are in touch with me, I'm in touch with them. I've got people responsible for me and I've got people that I'm responsible for. Okay. I'm at the gym most days where there's people asking how you're doing and, and all that kind of stuff. So I put myself in a position where I can't get too lonely. Yes. Yeah. Deliberately. Yeah. I think if I was to set up a conventional business and that was it, just me and a product to sell or whatever it was, I think I would struggle, which is why I've got partnerships, yes. which is why I've picked a home-based business that does everything for me, got the training, they tell me what to say, what to do, how to how to do it. We've done the same with the leasing business. Yeah, yeah. And I've done the same with the CrossFit methodology. I'm not sat here writing programs for people, trying yeah. to drum up work. There's a, somebody's done that. I've, there's a, a building with people in it, and they and I, my job is to go into that building and deliver, yes. not yeah. work out how to fill it. Yeah. So you're doing the things that you enjoy and that yeah. you're good at and let yeah. other people worry about the things that you're not good at and that you don't enjoy. And for a lot of people who run a business from home, especially if they're self-employed, mm. that's not always an option. So it's it's something to think about for those people is how do I give myself enough freedom to do the things that I enjoy? How do I reduce the load of the um, what feels like non-productive work? Yeah. Um, for some people, that's outsourcing. For some people, that's building a partnership with someone who's just better at those things. And for some of us, myself included, I make myself accountable with a, an old school friend of mine. We have a regular call where we just check in with them and say, what have you achieved? What's been holding you back? And we don't go into too much detail, but it makes us accountable. Because if I know that I've got a call coming up with, with my friend Lee, that I'm going to have to tell him some things that I've achieved. If I just say, oh, Slack week, spent too much time on social media and I've not got enough done, that I won't be judged for that. But on the other hand, saying it out loud means that you've got to admit that it's happened. And at some point, Lee will have to move on without you, won't he? You'll have to go find someone that, he, that, that there is a some true accountability partner and you don't want to yeah. lose that. Yeah. And this is someone who's been a great friend of mine since school days, so I yeah. don't want to let him down by being mm. poor. Even though our businesses, we don't rely on each other, we do totally separate things. Mm. But that process of being accountable to each other really helps us to mm. stay motivated and get over some of those challenges of working from home so the next obvious question is what are the very best things about working from for you and uh, we've worked hard to have a nice home so it's nice to be in it yeah that, you know, so, you know what I mean yeah. there's no point in being empty for 12 completely empty for 12 hours a day yeah absolutely I mean um, I, I came here you mentioned as, as, as we came in I came here a number of months ago specifically to take photographs of your kitchen now you've worked hard to be able to have a nice kitchen installed that's yeah. just one physical example of building a nice home for yourself yeah so it's nice to sit and open a laptop and Sit there and... You know, I've got my own little coffee machine and I've, I've got lots of nice things going on. The fact that we live in Norden in Rochdale, there's a nice little coffee shop that I've been to this morning for a meeting. Excellent. So there's, there's work from home or based from home. I, I actually come based from home. Okay. I will go and see people. Yeah. You know, I'll, 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 I could have had that meeting this morning on, on Teams or Zoom. I turn it into a meeting. Yeah. Yeah, to get think, out and get some fresh air, and you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a big thing for me as well. Although I, you know, I do. I say that I work from home. I spend at least a day and a half to two days a week out on site. Mm. I do one day a week on site with the same client. I will do on top of that. I'll do another day, which is mostly meetings, or mm. I'll, I'll go and see clients that I don't necessarily need to go and see, but just feel I get more done by going and physically being with them, especially the local clients. So the freedom to do that as well and decide when you're doing it, mm. is one of the best things about being based from home. Yeah. Is that you can decide whether to do that meeting on Teams because it fits around you and the school run or your wife or the kids mm. or, or the gym work. But on the other hand, you can go and meet in a coffee shop or at a client's place of work yeah. at your own freedom. Really.
Yeah, and having certain time taken up by the fun. So I call, I call the CrossFit stuff my, my fun thing because, you know, I could not do that and work harder on, on the other stuff. That forces me to have meetings on certain days. Yeah. So if I, have not, if I have nothing booked in on Monday, Wednesday or Thursday, my, I have no week for those other businesses. Right, yeah. So I have to make sure because I can't move the CrossFit shifts around because that's just me as an employee working for somebody else. And that, that's what I've been assigned. The rest yeah. of it is me. I have, to, I have to make something happen on those other days. Otherwise, nothing moves. Yeah. So that gives you the discipline of yeah. a weekly routine, yeah. which comes in handy. And again, I can fully identify with that because as my business has evolved, and it's almost five years now since I started really? on my own, yeah, um, I found that having a routine helps, and the mm. routine is flexible. This week, for example, I'm switching days with one of my clients because I've got a business event to go to on Thursday, which is normally a day that I'm on site with mm. one of my clients. So I've switched that day, I'm going to do that on Tuesday instead. And on Wednesday, that's a day I normally work for another client. But this Wednesday, I'm committed to some filming work with a local college down at the council offices in Rochdale. So this week's a good example. It's been totally switched around, but I know it's been switched around because there's a routine. And the routine's comfortable, so switching it around feels more comfortable. Whereas without that, every week would feel chaotic. And as human beings, we fear check. We like a routine. The human condition is we like a routine. Yeah. This week's a great week to talk about that because the clocks have just gone back, so all our circadian rhythms are out. How many people woke up at the right time this morning? I know I didn't. First we Monday went. of uh, We of had winter. to apologise to a five-year-old yesterday because he was up at six yesterday morning. He normally sort of comes in about seven. So it was So seven. In, in his body, he came in at seven. He was in at six, which it was his seven. And we're like, go back to bed. Like, and he couldn't do because he's, he so was unable to. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and I always think that kids are just like little adults. And, and, and so most of the things they do, we do. Yeah, um, we are. We're, I mean, I go even further than that. Whenever people are saying, oh, I wanted to, I feel like doing this. We're all just monkeys. Yeah. We are still monkeys. And I've talked about this at, at the tops of zip lines with my stepdaughter where everybody's terrified. Of course you're terrified because if you were a monkey and you took this step, then you would die. Mm. And our brains are still telling us that. And whether we're toddlers, adults or monkeys, we are governed by our instincts in many yeah. ways. We spend our, our life as human beings in nice, comfortable houses fighting our survival instincts because most of them don't apply anymore, but they're still there at the back of your brain. Yeah. Telling you not to step off the thing, when to wake up, when to go to sleep, Yeah, basically when it's dark. And we've, we've built, certainly since the Industrial Revolution, we've built a society around breaking those rules all day, every day. Yeah, and we and wonder it, why there's a stress pandemic in the world. And, and, and it's bizarre, isn't it? Because I'm not, I'm not one of these people who say, quit your job and follow your dreams because I've, I've done it slowly. Yeah. Over a period of time, we've created a slightly more flexible life than we would have had if we'd not made some some decisions but each one of them took a, an element of what seemed really brave then and might to some of the people listening feel really brave like saying to your boss or employer or yourself what if i did an hour of doing something else and not sat here doing this thing i hate mm -hmm. what if i started an exercise regime that seems really hard but actually loads of people do it or give it a go yeah. Or entered a run or started climbing or went to a martial arts class that you wanted to pick up since you were a kid. Yeah. Of course, you're going to be brand new and, and feel stupid, but everyone's going to welcome you and improve the doors. Yeah. What if you start a home based business for, I think, a starter pack? Our starter packs are 10. I think most starter packs for a, a business might be like 50 quid or something. Yeah. Where you get something you can then recommend to people that you know, not have to quit your job and just have a few hundred quid extra for Christmas. Yeah. As a start. What if you're a photographer, Phil, and you love it, and you go, you know what, I'm going to try to sell some of these photos. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, yeah, that's kind of, in some respects, that was one of the things that taught me that I should work for myself because I 
got a lot of enjoyment out of the photography work that I started to turn into an income stream, doing mm. a bit of social photography. And it was literally doing the odd wedding, the odd baptism, the odd christening. And although I'm not doing much of that now, that lesson was an important lesson. That earning money doing something that you love isn't a dream. It is possible. You just have to take some small steps. You can. You don't have to give up your day job and become a photographer or a CrossFit trainer or a utilities warehouse. You know, guru, a bit, a bit expert, as extra. Yeah, yeah. You can do these things as an extra. And if your side hustle is selling a few things off a website or selling your time doing something that you love, whether mm. that's walking dogs or taking photographs or grooming horses, yeah. then then you can do it as an extra. And then come the time where either for your own motivation or because you've had the tap on the shoulder at work or you see a future that other people haven't seen yet, when it comes time to make the big decision, I'm not going to say the hard decision because it's not always hard. But when it comes time to make the big decision, you're a bit more armed to know what that means and that it's possible. Mm. You know, some people can... I, I didn't think 10 years ago that I'd ever be self empowered and now, five years into the journey, I don't think that I'll ever be employed again. Are you unemployable? Is that what you're saying? I'm, un- I'm unmanageable. <laughs> 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 yeah. When I'm talking to clients, I talk about the days when I had a proper job mm. in the past tense. I loved it. got a lot out of my career. My career was good to me. I like to think I put a lot back into it, but now... I am able to put what I learned in terms of knowledge into other people's businesses in a flexible way that suits me. And never forget the way that that comes across when you explain it. Because I know that at some point in a medicine tap at our coffee meetings that we used to go to, some of that has resonated with me at some point. And you won't have known it at the time. You know what I mean? You'll have, you will have just been talking and I've been like, this guy's doing what he used to do, but he does it on his own terms. And he takes some photographs mm. and he, he's getting paid for all this stuff. But now he's sat having a coffee with me. Yeah, there's not many people doing that. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's an interesting story, and and I guarantee you that some of that you'll go into some of the offices that you that are your customers, and they'll be going, and where are you off to, Phil? Oh, I'm off tomorrow. I'm going taking my camper van up to the Lake District or whatever. Yeah, and they can't do that. Yeah, and people, are, you're you're living the dream. Yeah, you, you, what do you mean you're going to North Wales for yeah. the weekend in the camper van? Well, I, I was in a fortunate position where I was able to sell the family car and buy a camper van. And now I'm yeah. in an even more fortunate position where I work in a job where within reason I can call the hours so I can mm. use the camper van. Yeah. And um, yeah, in some respects, it is living the dream. Mm. You know, it took 25 years of having a proper job to build up that knowledge mm. and, and to have the confidence in the knowledge that I could then apply it to other people's businesses. But that's not outside the realms of most people. They've mm. got some experience of doing something that they can then apply that to other people with smaller businesses who need those skills. Yeah. Um, if you've got transferable skills, you can you can do it. So Rob, we've been talking quite a while this morning mm. and, and some really good lessons and bits of advice. And you told me a lot about your story and how you managed to effectively do three jobs while being based from home. What advice would you give to anyone who is starting or has just started a home-based business stay in your lane what i mean by that is is that if you've got a home-based business in 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 respect of what i'm talking about is a network marketing business where you've got a business that you've become part of you're not setting up your own thing right from that perspective some of your network isn't going to get it as long as you've picked a good company with a a good range of products or services if you get that in front of the right people they'll listen some yeah. people won't listen because they will not because they have any particular feelings about it, but they, they, they just don't see it at the moment. That's fine. If yeah. we set up a butty shop, some of your friends will come to your sandwich shop and some people will go down the road. And, you, and so if hairdressers are the best example. Yeah. Imagine you're in a room, you, you're, it's your 50th birthday party, you're the hairdresser, you've put for all the drinks on, and you've only cut the hair of five people in that room. 
Yeah. Your home-based business is the same. You can't take it personally. Not everybody wants what you've got. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You gotta play the long game. Obviously, play the long game and follow. Fo- the company will have our system. Yeah. Don't come in with all your experience and try to rewrite the system. Yeah. If you're joining a business which has a successful system, then doing it your own way isn't the way to make. It you can work. put your slant on it. Yeah. But don't do it. Don't necessarily do it your own way. If, if for people who are just looking at, at doing what, like following a passion from home, or get you know, or or setting up a business from home, is just get some good people around you. Yeah. I said I, I I obviously invested in in a coach that I only engaged for those three de- th- those three days over three months and the biggest thing he my biggest worry was what if I get this wrong what if I mess everything up and we lose everything yeah and we got to the bottom of it the the, the answer to my own question was I wouldn't let that happen to my own family yeah so. If you if you know that you wouldn't you might not end up earning a hundred thousand pound in year one that's probably not why you're doing it anyway yes but you also wouldn't put yourself at such a risk that you would cock everything up so magnificent it'd have to be a colossal mistake yes so yeah. can you back yourself to a point where things are okay yeah and I, I can really identify with that as a in a in a different business environment so I I set up a consultancy business mm. from scratch having left a career a lifetime's career in in, in the energy markets and that that clear motivator there was was what helped my business become successful was the fact that I would not allow for the worst to happen Mm. I couldn't allow for the business to fail and if it did then I needed to change things or mold things in order to make sure that I kept my family fed and safe Mm. and that is that is a true motivator you know the first two years in most businesses are the hardest because it's when money's going out because you've got a lifestyle to, to meet and money isn't coming in fast enough. Mm. But there's no motivator like realising that the money is going to run out at some point and saying, well, okay, so now I need to either go back and get a proper job or I need to make this venture successful or something else successful in order to do what I've set out to do, which is to feed my family and have some freedom. Um, and having said that, having got through the first two years and, and survived, that the three years since then have been a lot more affirming mm. of course there are challenges not every day is sunshine and roses but um leaning back and thinking you know what i've built a successful small consultancy here i've got mm. some good satisfied busy clients and um and that that gives you a lot of confidence to move forward so, yeah that's 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 good really important and then finally to wrap up i'd like to thank you first of all and not just for the sandwich and the cup of tea um but for for all your your wisdom today and, and, and your input, which is invaluable. But as we wrap up, what would you say to somebody who is either just starting again or has started their home-based businesses? What nuggets of wisdom should we leave them with before we wrap up? Get a pen and paper, write down a hundred people that you would like to work with, could work with, have worked with, and go and buy them a coffee. Perfect. I can't. I could not say that better myself. As somebody who works overwhelmingly with people that he didn't realise would become business partners mm-hmm. when he was working either with or for them, I could not agree more. Work with the people that you know and and the people that you like and people who are like you. Phil, I've got an idea to run by you. How can I, can I spot you for a Costa? How can anyone refuse yeah. that? Perfect. Well, Rob, Rob Nugent, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and your food and your hospitality and your lovely kitchen. And um, I'm sure I'll see you again at those business events in Rochdale. No, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye now.